What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate for June the 21st of 2019. Of course, if you are new here, welcome to the show and this podcast is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time to keep you up to date and informed on everything happening in the gaming industry. Of course, then the podcast, the live version is taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media as well as podcast services around the world if you did want the VOD or the audio version of the show. But today we're talking about the next generation Xbox and the fact that there were originally two variations of it planned. Of course, we had Lockhart and Anaconda, but one of those has since been canned or at least shelved indefinitely. And all focus has been shifted onto one specific console for the next gym. Then we talk about electronic arts and all of the drama they have going on behind the scenes from Anthem to the big bonuses for the big wigs. We have a lot of discussion about that company. Then we go back to Xbox with Halo Infinite. I have info on the beta when you can get your hands on the next Halo game for yourself. Then PlayStation hits are getting a couple of additions to the lineup because there are some big, big games that are getting a relatively middle of the road price cut, especially considering the prices I've seen some of these games go for in the past. But I digress, now it's all permanent. Then we have an update of why Alpha Protocol was removed from Steam. There has now been some clarification and we now know who has the publishing rights as of 2019. And then finally, Killing Floor 2 is free this weekend. That's the big deal I've got for you today if you did want to dive in and see if it's a game that is worth your attention. But that's pretty much the lineup for today's show. And again, I do hope you enjoy it if you are brand new or also if you're a longtime listener and viewer, I hope you enjoy it as well, needless to say. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. First off, Microsoft shift shifts Xbox Focus to one next generation console. That is a big, big deal. Last year at E3, Phil Spencer at the end of Microsoft's keynote said that the company was working on new consoles for the next generation of gaming. At E3 in 2019, Phil's onstage discussion pointed towards one device, and now the path forward is becoming a bit more clear. In an interview with Business Insider, Phil states that the company is focused on one console, even though last year he did say consoles, and that is plural. He joked that technically Microsoft did launch a new console last year and Scarlet does make two, but anyone who was watching the event and following interviews knows he was referring to multiple next-gen consoles at E3 2018. Further, the evidence and insiders at the company acknowledged that there were two devices on the roadmap for Xbox, Lockhart and Anaconda. Even though the company has released one new console and has another planned, I firmly believe, the author says, that at E3 2018, Phil was referring to two next-gen consoles. All of this being said, Microsoft's current plan for its next-generation Xbox is to focus on Scarlet and all mentions of Lockhart, which was previously documented in several places, has now been scrubbed clean. The big question is what prompted the change in strategy? Talking with various people inside and outside of Microsoft, the author's best conclusion is as follows. First, developers were having a harder time than expected creating next-gen games that span across two systems with various specs. As you might expect, developers were putting focus on making games that would run well on the lower-end device first, pause because it would probably sell better out of the gate, and then scaling them up to a higher-speed anaconda. Keep in mind, it is easier to scale up than it is to scale down. Because of this, next-gen Xbox games would be at a performance 
performance and visual disadvantage, which is not what Microsoft would like to see as it starts to go head to head with the next generation PlayStation, which is already rumored, I would add, to be more powerful than the Xbox Project Scarlet. Now, of course, the author at Comic Book, excuse me, the author at Therat is not the only one hearing this. Digital Foundry has heard the exact same news. But that may be just one of many reasons. The purpose of Lockhart was to make it easier to join the Xbox family with a console that was priced much lower than its big brother, Anaconda. With the progress made on xCloud and its ability to bring high quality, low latency gaming to any device, Lockhart started to become more of an obstacle for Microsoft. Even though Microsoft currently has multiple consoles available with the One S, X, and the All Digital Edition, streamlining the next generation will make it easier for the company to focus on one device. And considering margins are lower on hardware and Microsoft really just wants to sell games no matter the platform, selling one flagship and pushing xCloud, of course, makes a lot of sense. Now, that is pretty much where the story ends today. And it seems like Lockhart might be one of those things where in five to ten years you are watching some kind of YouTube documentary talking about why it was canceled, what happened to it, etc, etc. But to be quite frank, it makes sense to have one next generation console. And I think that the messaging has kind of gotten lost in this generation because you have so many variations of the Xbox One. As the article points out, you do have the Xbox One S, you have the Xbox One X, you have the Xbox One All Digital Edition, and to be fair, the X has emerged as the one that many, many people gravitate towards as the Xbox to get as of June of 2019, because it is the most powerful console on the market right now. It does have a very, very high quality performance on it. Uh, it's just a really good piece of hardware. But at the same time, to have out of the gate one piece of hardware that is affordable and one piece of hardware that is your elite console, that creates a level of expectation for the next generation that is difficult for developers to keep up with, and it's also difficult out of the gate for consumers because they have to make a choice between price and quality. And if you are just random average Joe that comes home every night after work to play a couple of rounds of Halo, you are probably going to gravitate more towards the lower end console and therefore that higher end console is not going to get quite as much love. You aren't going to be able to push that hardware to its limit because to design software around that hardware is literally leaving money on the table because many people won't get that same exact experience because they don't have the higher end console. It creates a big performance issue uh, between the variations. Now, as we have with this generation, many games are upscaled. Many games have uh, a bit of a performance boost, if you will. Even on the PlayStation 4 Pro, you can activate boost mode that activates uh, a bit of a performance increase for specific games in specific situations. But still, that's not pushing the hardware to its limit. That's just utilizing it to its bare minimum uh, to ensure that, hey, if we can wring out any more juice from this paper towel, we can get it done. That was a horrible analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. So, for Microsoft to focus entirely on one specific SKU for the next generation, I think is a wise move. Number one, because it makes it easier for the consumer to understand what exactly they are buying. And number two, it makes the marketing incredibly simple, because right now, we have the Xbox One S, we have the Xbox One X, and we have the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. The Xbox Sad. Yes. Uh, but that even in and of itself is a little bit complicated and so to have one console to have one xbox that you go out and get that makes things incredibly easy and of course that makes it easier for the developers as well 
But we will have to wait and see what happens with the next gen Xbox because it's still a good ways off. Again, coming in holiday of 2020, we will see what Project Scarlet has up its sleeve, but it seems like we will never know what happened with Xbox Project Lockhart. However, let's move on and talk about Patrick Soderlund at EA because, of course, he has left the company, but he did not apparently take his $20 million retention bonus with him. Last year, EA's then-chief design officer Patrick Soderlund received a $20 million bonus to stay with the company. He then left in August. At the time, there was no indication on the contrary. It was widely assumed that Soderlund took the bonus with him on departure. But GameDaily.biz reports that this was not the case and that the stock grant was instead put into a pool used for various things at the company, including new hires. The report also notes that CEO Andrew Wilson and his direct reports declined performance bonuses in the most recent fiscal year, though it is unknown how much they would have made. Wilson reportedly made $2.5 million in bonuses for the previous year. EA's 2018-2019 report saw both revenue and income down, with executives noting that the company had been challenged by things that did not go as planned, i.e. Battlefield 5 other stuff that is coming down the pipe like Anthem, which I believe is in a new fiscal year, but still a lot of situations that are similar to that regard. That same year also included layoffs at 50 excuse me, of 50 at EA's Australian Fire Muggy Studio, layoffs at, of 350 at its 9,000 total employees in March across multiple teams, and the shuttering of EA's Japanese and Russian offices. I don't want to try to defend things, but it's the hardest decision you make as a leader, whether you're a leader of 10 people or 10,000 people, it is the hardest decision you make, Wilson said to Game Daily when asked about the layoffs. These decisions have to be made for the longevity of an organization who is moving through tremendous disruption as an industry. And so... We have an update to a story we've been talking about for a good many months now. Big executives getting big bonuses within the gaming industry, while these layoffs continue to happen time and time again. And of course, as always, layoffs are never good news, but I've been reporting on them here on Caffeinate uh, at a repeatedly increasing frequency. It just seems like more and more companies are going through tough times because, specifically in EA's case, the games haven't been selling as well as they would like, and therefore they're having to make cuts. But then you have these giant reports of these big, big bonuses with $20 million uh, going to an individual who is no longer with the company. This kind of thing... That's not exactly good press if you understand what I'm getting at. And so we have the confirmation that that bonus did not leave with him. In fact, some of it went to new hires, if this report is to be believed from GameDaily.biz. Uh, but at the same time, you also have the denial of any kind of bonus from Andrew Wilson. Again, if these reports are to be believed, uh, that instead channels that money elsewhere. It makes it a healthier overall atmosphere for the company, in my opinion. But overall, good news to hear uh, that it's not all greed and, and, and suffering over at Electronic Arts. And in fact, they are, in fact, seemingly good leaders. Uh, if that is my take on it, of course, a lot of people would say that many of the executives do deserve bonuses. And I do believe that running a company and being a leader in any kind of company uh, is very difficult. It can be a grueling job nonetheless. But at the same time, concessions have to be made whenever there are issues internally at the studio. And whenever you have these reports of mass layoffs, you can't just sit there and comfortably take $20 million in a bonus and then leave the company. In Patrick Soderlund's case, that's just not something that should be done, in my opinion. That's just quite frankly wrong. Again, that could vary from person to person. Some people should say, hey, yeah, take the money and run, but that's just not who I am. Uh, and that's not really what I think a good leader does. But we're getting to 
moralistic with this entire situation. When it comes down to it, it seems like Electronic Arts is going through still a very tumultuous period, but $20 million from Patrick Sutherland stayed with the company after he left and CEO Andrew Wilson reportedly denied his bonus. We'll see what happens with Electronic Arts, but indeed, good leaders at EA, Ducky says in the chat, it very well could be. However, it does seem like the leaders at EA are committed to Anthem. This is a big story because, again, Anthem, one of the biggest surprises of 2019 because of how surprised everybody was whenever it failed. The rocky launch of Anthem feels like it has not fully rallied yet after the roadmap has been delayed and come out to less than stellar responses. This was punctuated by the game's outright absence at E3 as Electronic Arts seemingly had no update for a dwindling fanbase hungry to find out more about the game's now-adjusted path. One might think that means EA is running away from Bioware developed game, but CEO Andrew Wilson is insisting that is not the case. In an interview with Games Daily, the same interview we just talked about, Wilson believed that they kind of whiffed the game's debut, but thinks it is a long-term title that has plenty of time to pull up. IP lives for generations and runs in these 7 to 10 year cycles, Wilson told Games Daily. So if I think about Anthem on a 7 to 10 year cycle, it may not have had the start that many of us wanted, including our players. I feel like that team is really going to get there with something special and something great because they've demonstrated that they can. Bioware Montreal has seemingly ceded a lot of control over Anthem towards Bioware Austin, though has recommitted to the game all the same. For his part, Wilson partially blames the rocky start on a mismatch between Bioware's reputation and the gameplay of Anthem. What the Bioware teams are thinking about is what we are going to build a lot of different types of games. We are going to have our core Bioware audience that's been with us for a really long time, says Wilson. There are kids today who are 12 years old who weren't around when Bioware started making games, and they have different expectations of what a Bioware game should be in the context of the world they have grown up in. And so, that's pretty much the current status on Anthem, uh, as it stands in June of 2019. Again, this game took the world by storm in the hype that was building up to the game, because the gameplay trailers looked phenomenal. Uh, the open world looked like something everybody could dive into. This was supposed to be the Destiny killer. This was going to be the big game of 2019 and into 2020, perhaps even beyond. But it just never panned out. Anthem never became the game that it was destined to be. Did you get the pun? You should have got the pun. Destiny. Yeah, that one right off right off the right off the noggin there. Uh, but nonetheless, it seems like Anthem is on a seven to ten year cycle to success. Will that actually work? I would say no. If you were to have a seven to ten year cycle, you have to have successful games, successful expansions, successful content in seven to 10 year cycles. You have to continue pumping out things to keep the IP fresh in the minds of the consumer. You can't just let it sit for seven to 10 years. And it seems like maybe Anthem could recover in a way. I mean, crazier things have happened in the gaming industry, but at the same time, even Destiny 2 at its lowest was not as poorly received as Anthem is currently. Uh, that's pretty much the situation that EA has right now. That's the situation with Bioware, and that's the hole they have to dig themselves out of. And it's not a good hole to be in whatsoever. There are good holes to be in in life. That's not one of them. I'm just saying. Uh, but... We will see what happens with Anthem. Again, seven to 10 year cycles is a big stretch of time. And so maybe in 10 years, Anthem could have a soft reboot in a way and maybe try again. Uh, that's the only way that I could see this ever panning out in any kind of positive way, shape or form. But I suppose we will have to just wait and see 
if Anthem can in fact make some kind of comeback because as it stands right now uh, this is not a good hole to be in and they haven't found a good hole yet they have not found one yet However, let's talk about Halo Infinite, because there is a beta coming, as you would expect, for the multiplayer, but not until 2020 to be presumed. But that is coming first to Xbox, and then Split Screen is already up and running. It's a good, good feeling. Halo Infinite had a big showing at E3 2019 last week, but Microsoft isn't done dropping news about the long-awaited Xbox and PC game. Developer 343 Industries had to share some new details on the game, and it has given us a lot to take in. Starting off, 343 confirmed in a blog post that Halo Infinite will support LAN and they already announced split screen feature is up and running. That is a big deal because Halo 5 dropped split screen in a move that upset a number of the series fans. 343 also announced that the beta test for Halo Infinite, known as Flights, will take place first on Xbox and then on PC. The testing periods will start small and then slowly expand up until the game's release in holiday of 2020. Flighting may come a little bit later for PC players, but we are treating it as a first-class citizen, 343 said. The studio also confirmed that the characters in Halo Infinite will have black undersuits. That sounds like a small detail, but in Halo 4 and 5, players had different colored undersuits, which garnered a mixed reaction from fans. Additionally, 343 teased Halo Infinite's armor customization options, saying, If you like the level of armor customization in Halo Reach, you will be pleased with Halo Infinite. Ooh. On top of that, 343 confirmed that those who reach the highest level in Halo 5 SR-152 will receive a token of appreciation in Halo Infinite. And finally, 343 stated that it has an internal team of professional gamers testing Infinite's multiplayer. And on the story side, 343 reaffirmed that Halo Infinite's story begins sometime after the end of Halo 5. Of course, the game itself is coming out in holiday of 2020 as a launch title on Project Scarlet, and it also plays on the Xbox One family of consoles and PC. And so that's pretty much where we stand with Halo Infinite's beta news, because again, I would assume this is going to start sometime around the summer of 2020, building up until the release of the game in the winter of 2020 alongside Project Scarlet. Uh, but if I had to predict, I would say maybe August into September, that seems like a pretty good time frame. It could be a bit sooner, it could be a bit later. It depends on how much of the game they want to reveal. But of course, I'm very excited about Halo Infinite. I'm a big Halo fan. In fact, I've said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it again there are multiple instances in my life in which i have bought an xbox to play halo i bought an xbox 360 for halo i bought an xbox one for halo sold the xbox one bought another xbox one x guess what it was for banjo kazooie no just kidding it's halo uh so that's pretty much what i feel about uh, halo infinite i cannot wait uh, to get my hands on the game and i cannot wait to dive into this beta but until then, I suppose we will just have to hang out and wait for the next generation of Xbox to come around. I've also been having a deep itch for the Halo 5 experience. That was a pretty good game. Of course, a lot of people said that Halo 5 was underappreciated. Some people said that it was overrated. I feel like it was somewhere in the middle to where it was a good, tight Halo shooter. It wasn't the stereotypical Halo experience, but it was still one that I kind of felt was a good hybrid uh, between Halo 4 and a, another FPS on the market. Uh, uh, something similar to that of a Call of Duty in a way. It was a bit fast-paced, but at the same time, a cool experience and one that I might end up going back to at some point if I ever get my hands on a cheap Xbox at some point down the line. You never know what you find on the eBay, on the Facebook marketplace, in the flea market, in the middle of the road. You can never know what you might not... I shouldn't buy one, but man, I want to play some Halo. 
could we go for three? Just kidding, not going to do that. But until Halo Infinite, I know what can hold me over some PlayStation hits. There are now five new PlayStation hits getting permanent $20 prices on the PlayStation 4. And of course, before we jump into this, I want to point out comicbook.com. Look me in the eye, okay? Both of them, preferably. This website layout, what are you doing with your ads in your sidebar? Because I go through every day and I pick out specific stories to cover on today's episode of Caffeinate. Whatever the stories might be, I pick them out. This website, all right, so you've got a giant banner up top advertising some kind of Core i9 processor from Lenovo and Intel. Then you go down. I have this giant Xbox Game Pass ad here that takes up literally, literally at least eight square inches of my screen. Absolutely ridiculous amount. Then the story, oh no, you don't get a trailer. You don't get some kind of informational content, uh, you know, slideshow. You get this dude that has, guess what, an ad ready to play. Got a Mets jersey on, going to the game. I have three ads on my screen and no content. No content at all. Then I scroll down. Here it is, another ad blowing my mind with AT&T's internet backup. Then I get down to the story, which is literally cropped into probably the smallest option possible. I'm ranting about this now, and this is not what you come to the podcast for, but at the same time, my look, ads need to be balanced. Find a good medium in between showing me the content and showing me the ad. I get that you have to make money, but damn, I don't want to have to pay your salary in one visit to your website. My lord, it is a b- ad. It's, it's bad. You see what I'm saying? It's it's bad. Thank you, Decky, for that horrible joke. You get my sense of humor. Anyways, the PlayStation hits price cut. Today, Sony Interactive Entertainment announced that it's adding five games to its PlayStation Hits lineup on PS4 starting on June 28th in the US and Canada. In addition to the recently added LEGO Batman 3 Beyond Gotham, LEGO Jurassic World, Mad Max, Persona 5, and Star Wars Battlefront, the lineup will soon feature Friday the 13th, God of War Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, the only game with two colons in the title, Neo and Resident Evil 7. For those that don't know, PlayStation Hits is a growing collection of more than 35 PS4 games that have had their price dropped permanently to $20 at both the PlayStation Store and select retailers. It has been a tradition of Sony for a few generations now, and it's a popular promotion with fans. Of course, this is essentially the evolution of greatest hits, uh, the evolution of the PlayStation Portable and Vita versions of that same program. You know what I'm saying. These are the ones that have sold very well and that deserve a bit of a price cut. And so, of course, you can check out the entire new updated graphic, uh, but that includes stuff like Battlefield Hardline, a very good game that is underrated, in my opinion. Uh, Killzone Shadowfall, Infamous Second Son, Doom, Yakuza 0, Metal Gear Solid 5, Uncharted 4, Drive Club, Bloodborne, a lot of really good games on this list that are totally worth checking out. Uh, also, Neo at 20 bucks, I might have to give that one a little bit of a look. But unlike some dubious additions in the past, like Project Cars, Drive Club, Mad Max, and Star Wars Battlefront, this new round is pretty solid. Why you digging at Mad Max comic book? That's a good game. Horizon Zero Dawn is one of the best open world games this generation. God of War 3 is a great last gen title updated to the specs of the PS4. Resident Evil 7 is one of the top horror games this generation, and Neo is great if you do like a challenge. Of course, Friday the 13th, a game that has been in a bit of a lull recently because of some uh, issues with the name, uh, with the identity of the game, because many people are saying, hey, 
you can't be updating any more of this game. It's just Friday the 13th. What you've done so far is what you've done. That is it. This is it. The IP cannot be touched anymore. That's pretty much where we are with that game. But still, a lot of content that is worth checking out here. But... Nonetheless, if you do want to pick up some cheap, cheap PlayStation hits, again, we have five games discounted to 20 bucks, which include as follows. Again, the new additions are Friday the 13th, God of War Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, Neo and Resident Evil 7. All pretty solid titles. Now let's update from yesterday's show. Alpha Protocol has been removed from Steam. Now we know why because of music rights expiring. Something we have seen before, actually. Eurogamer has updated its story with clarification on why Alpha Protocol has been pulled from Steam. In a new statement from Sega, they said that it owned the Alpha Protocol IP, but that expired music rights resulted in its removal from Steam. The game includes a number of licensed songs, which likely had expired since the release of the game. Uh, we saw the same exact scenario with Alan Wake a couple of years back, months back, whatever it was at this point, uh, but it's something that happens whenever you put licensed music in your game. Whenever it hits the generally around 10 year mark, things begin to get a bit hairy when it comes to the law side of that, and so they generally have to pull the game down, and you are stuck having to play it off of a disc, or you don't play it at all. Uh, but it happens, it's a bad situation, it's something that should, uh, you know, be solved. It's a problem because these games, especially in a future that is increasingly digital, need to be preserved and need to be available because if they aren't available online, it becomes very difficult for anybody to play them, and so they become kind of lost to history. Of course, you can find them on YouTube, you can find them uh, in various physical formats if you did want that, but again, where we have Project xCloud and Google Stadia and all these streaming services uh, that are beginning to come around, you have to be able to make sure games are playable, and this is an exact situation in which, hey, they aren't. So if a game comes out on Google Stadia, and it has licensed music within the game in 10 years, whenever Stadia is dead and gone, is the game itself just going to be forgotten and, and thrown out to the wayside to die? Probably, to be quite honest with you, probably. However, one game that refuses to die is Killing Floor 2, and it is free this weekend if you do want to get in on some Killing Floor 2 action. Think Call of Duty Zombies, the good quality Call of Duty Zombies that you had back on like Black Ops 1. Think that on steroids. That's what Killing Floor 2 is, and man, is it a good time. Tripwire Interactive recently kicked off its Killing Floor 2 summer event with the release of a new free content update called Back and Kickin' Brass. The steampunk-themed update adds a new transport objective mode to the game, and a new map called Steam Fortress puts also tons of limited-time skins, objectives, and cosmetics in the game, as well as the return of Zeds from last year's Summerside show. Also back from last year is Ringmaster Lockhart, who is once again looking to you for help as he attempts to repair and refuel his rocket ship so he can blast off and begin his assault to the moon. Why assault the moon? I'll be honest, it's not really clear. Probably something to do with Zeds. A pair of fun-sounding new weapons are also now available. The explosive harpoon-firing Seal Squeal and the Hemoclobber, a studded club that does damage to Zeds but also heals teammates. Prestige Rank 5 is now attainable with new Rank 5 Prestige skins for a range of weapons and, along with new Steam Fortress map, the Outpost and Zed Landing maps have also been updated for objective mode play. To get everyone in the mood to make Zeds dead, Tripwire has also made Killing Floor 2 free-to-play until 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on June the 25th, and it's also on sale on Steam during the freebie for 67% off, dropping it to just $10 if you did want to pick up the game itself. 
Of course, it was given away for free a couple of years back as a PlayStation Plus exclusive game for the month, uh, but very cool game nonetheless, very fun to play, especially if you have a squad of dudes to team up with and kick some undead slash mutant slash clown ass. Uh, it's a very, very good time. But again, if you do want to dive in, free to play until June 25th on Steam, and on top of that, I also remember, uh, if you guys are looking to get back into Call of Duty Black Ops 4, the maps are all free this weekend. Uh, what came with the season pass that is all able to be accessed for this weekend only again until June the 25th if I do remember correctly so if you want to see if the season pass is worth it this late in the game of course they've got a big event going on right now uh, with the days of summer going on within Call of Duty so again a couple of good deals right there if you do want to give it a look However, that rounds out today's episode of Caffeinate. Of course, if you are brand new here, I appreciate you taking the time to check out the show. And it is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, generally around 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Of course, today, if you're watching live, may or may not have slept in for about an hour. Not intentional, but hey, things happen. I'm a human. But... At the end of the day, it's always a good time, and I appreciate you taking the time to check out the show. But I will talk to you guys on Monday, and have a fantastic rest of the weekend. Peace.